Here we go. We're going to see how this goes. I get to see into the hearts of, of coaches and athletes yes. so quickly. We can have this adrenaline rush in the moment and still be the image bearers of Christ that we are called to be. My passion is for the life of Christ to be lived out through me. I mean, Seth turned a little red when he was talking. It was really, really good. I get really excited. We want to find an easier time. We want to find a better time. And it's never going to appear. The best time is now. Zach, you're dropping proverbs on us, man. My work as coach is a minister of the gospel. Man, I am looking forward to more conversations around this. You guys are the best. Hello, welcome back to the Competing Biblically podcast. I'm here with Nick and Lindsay today. Lindsay, I don't know, but we've been building up your appearance on this show. For weeks. So yes. So how are you guys doing? I am fantastic. I would say I'm glad that our first guest is, in my opinion, humble opinion, is the most attractive guest that we've had and the most attractive one on the podcast. So you're definitely making us better. You're making me blush. (laughs) No, it's, it's awkward. It's awkward because I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you guys have been building me up. I don't want to let you guys down, but I'm excited to be here. So, yeah, I'm excited to have you, especially around this topic of talking about unity versus disunity. Um, we've, yeah, talked about a lot of other things, but excited to jump into this conversation. Especially, we've experienced some disunity this morning, and fighting for unity uh, as we're trying to work on this fitness journey together as well. So, yeah, we're fired up, Seth. How are you today? I'm good. So we're recording on a Monday. And a lot of people don't like Mondays. I like Mondays. I'm well rested from the weekend. It's a fresh start. So stuff builds up through the week. And by the end of the week, I always feel like I'm behind or something I didn't get done. So Mondays, I like. They're like a fresh start. Um, Amen to that. And I say, I'm glad we have Lindsay on because she's replacing probably the other like prettiest person on the podcast in pancake (laughs) i don't know if he'd like that or not shout out cakes we love you we miss you excited to have you back next week i don't know if he's obviously with us when we record i don't know if he listens to them or not great flow much better than mine which is buzz cut yeah anyways um so yes today unity versus disunity so we've walked through the verses we started with belief versus unbelief And then we went into selflessness versus selfishness, submission versus resistance, and now we're at unity versus disunity. So um, I know, Nick, you wanted to share about how all these things kind of relate. Yes, we kind of set up uh, belief versus unbelief up front as being kind of the, if we're going to look at this thing as a sandwich or whatever, kind of like it was the base. It was like what was going to support these verses. It's the plate. The plate? No. No, bottom bun. Okay. We're doing, let's do sandwich. Okay. So it's the bottom bun. And then, yeah, because without belief, it doesn't matter. If you're not, if you're not able to believe what God's promises say about selflessness and uh, say about unity and say about um, submission to authority, it's, it's hard to do those things without belief. We, you can't fight for unity. You can't fight for selflessness internally. You can't fight for submission internally without that. And in the same way, here, kind of the top part of the bun, so you got selflessness and submission as 
the stuff in the middle, whatever your favorite sandwich is, Caleb and Lindsay just had tuna. So she was joking around that she's glad you can't smell her breath on this episode. <laughs> but um, what, insert your favorite sandwich here. But that's the meat of it is selflessness and submission. Uh, and then the thing that kind of ties it all together is this idea of unity, this idea of unity, because unity encompasses in order for there to be true unity in a, in a program, true unity within a team, true unity in a marriage, a church, whatever, because again, this isn't just, this is the competing biblically podcast. We are locked in on sport. Um, but we know that sport is a microcosm of life, uh, so this stuff is applicable all over our lives. But in order, in order for unity to exist, belief has to exist. The fight for selflessness, to care about others, like to live out Philippians chapter 2 and count others as greater than yourself, that has to exist in order for there to be unity. And, and a submission to authority and a submission to one another out of reverence for Christ Mm-hmm. has to be present in order for unity to exist. So mm-hmm. belief kind of set the stage of what would take place in the next three. And unity here is kind of batting clean up as the top bun to the sandwich, which is really great unless you're weird and like open face sandwiches. But um, man, unity is, is key. And it's, we'll probably talk about this in a little bit, but it's very difficult. Yeah. I was it's actually, difficult to pull all this stuff together. Yeah. I was actually going to add on to that, as you said, because this is probably the only piece that you can't do individually. So on your team, as a coach or an athlete, you can have the belief and believe in God, believe in others. You can live selflessly and you can submit to authority and those over you. But unity is not something that happens just within yourself. And there's a realm, there's yeah. an aspect of it that's not totally within your control. Although we do all have an opportunity and a responsibility to bring about and to be a part of unity on our teams. Yeah. And the Bible would even say in the midst of, in the midst of unity, like when it comes to our responsibility, like do everything. Lynch, could you look this up for me? Do everything as it is on your part to live at peace with everyone. I mean, there is kind of that you, in order for true unity to, to exist. And I look, I think it's something we need to fight for. In prayer, it's something that we need to fight for in dying to ourselves. It's something we need to fight for in in submitting to others. But yeah, it's 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 not always going to be reciprocated. Mm-hmm. But it's not that doesn't stop it being worthy of the fight. That we don't we would never stop fighting, never stop pressing, never stop straining for that. Yeah. So. In Romans twelve seventeen through 18, it says, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Amen. And we can't, and even in that, it doesn't say that everybody will respond favorably mm-hmm. to you. But that's mm-hmm. not, again, our, our goal is what? It's not necessarily for the outcome. Our goal is to close the gap between potential and performance. That's what we're working on, to glorify the Lord. And again, that's the real goal. The ultimate goal is glorifying God. And one of the ways we can glorify God is by closing that gap between the potential of who we could be in Christ, Mm -hmm. who he has designed us to be, uh, either individually or as a team, and who we are right now, is looking to close that gap for his glory. Yeah. And coaches, this is something that you specifically have an opportunity 
or if you're a team captain, but those in leadership, especially like at the beginning of each season, coach, you have an opportunity to make unity an integral aspect of your team. And I mean, even all of the things we've talked about, all of these principles, you have the opportunity to make part of the culture on your team and to declare and demonstrate as we talk about with as with the gospel but to not only say but to model and to live out unity for belief submission selflessness and unity um so i mean i encourage and i think all of us here would say that somewhere i know when when i help coach i kind of do a lot of that stuff that's kind of my role in the team and the first we have an open tryout for three days and then the first two to three days, we spend time each practice talking about these things and setting the culture, setting the tone for the year. And then we don't do those things every single practice for the rest of the season. We do them a couple times a week, but um, we've set the tone and we're following up and it becomes part of the DNA of our season. So you have an opportunity to do that with your players, with the other coaches on your staff, with even if you have managers on your team and et cetera. Seth, as you're saying that, my mind is immediately going to, like, what are the consequences of not having unity? Like, what are the consequences of disunity? And I think about, my mind immediately jumps to, to Jesus, being, Jesus being accused of casting out demons by Beelzebub. Hmm. And Jesus responds and says, a house divided against itself cannot stand. A house divided against itself self will fall. And I think about Jesus teaching God can a man cannot love both God and money or mammon because it'll he'll love one and hate the other. When it comes to unity, again, and we'll touch about I think we need to come back and touch on this in a second, of of what are we unified to? So if you're a coach that's listening, there, you're in, there's a lot of different positions you could be in. You could be the only believer on the staff. You could be at a school that's trying to live out this philosophy. You could be a, um, just kind of interested in this stuff. So I think uh, whatever that piece of unity is, it's kind of heard the said about friendships, of your relationships will only go as deep as the thing that unifies you. Yeah. So if it's just sport, if it's just winning, it's only going to be so deep. There's only going to be such a rallying cry. There's only going to be such a bond because if victory is the ultimate goal, um, what happens when you lose? Mm-hmm. Fractures. I was thinking back to an, uh, something that happened. We were playing Kent State, and I played with this phenomenal left tackle. This, I mean, really talented guy, kind of what you would dream of. Uh, and we are losing at halftime, and our offensive line comes in, and we had set this philosophy of like, we're truck drivers. You call it, we haul it. Mm-hmm. But he came in and he was just complaining about the coaches and cussing about the coaches. And I, I didn't go to a Christian university. I went to a public university, a public uh, historically black college here in Dover, Delaware State University. Go Hornets. Come on, Hornet Nation. Um, but, yeah, came in the locker room. Oh, these coaches this, these coaches that. And I remember nipping it, nip it in the bud and was like, no, 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 we're not. Because I had been a Christian for a little bit. I'd seen this stuff played out. I'm like, no, a house divided against itself will fall. Mm-hmm. It's okay that we're losing. We got to rally together. And there was a fracturing point in our relationship. Like him and me, because I confronted him on that stuff, our relationship was never the same. Mm-hmm. But it still needed to be said. Mm-hmm. Someone needed to fight. And I wish I would have prayed more. I wish I would have reached out more. There's definitely a ton of stuff. I did not do everything on my end 
as it was up to me to make sure that there was unity there. But yeah. it didn't it like it needs to be fought for because the consequences are is that it's not even about not even about the outcome. If you are disunified, you cannot close the gap. Yeah. If you're running different races, you're not gonna finish together. Mm-hmm. Uh and that that does not glorify the Lord. In fact, it would probably rob him of glory that he deserves. I, th- I feel like, I think we all know what it feels like to be on a team that's not unified, where there's division. I think everyone has experience in that kind of environment, which is not like, it's just sucks the joy out of competing completely. Um, and, and I think that's why, and Nick, the scriptures you were saying about a house divided on itself cannot stand. You cannot serve both God and money. As a team, and I, I know I shared this an episode or two ago about like if there's 11 players on the field and they're all out there to make themselves great, you have 11 different goals yeah. on the field. Um, same thing on the team. If if you have 20 people on your team and they're all out there to glorify themselves, that is 20 different goals. Everyone needs to be striving towards the same goal. And, and I think that's why, like coach, you have an opportunity because you are the, the visionary for the team. You see the players, you see who they are, who they can be, and you have an opportunity to paint a picture, a vision of who that team can be, what they can do, um, and the people that they can become. Mm. And it's not until a team grabs hold of that vision and says, that's what we're chasing after, yeah. that there can be unity. Because you, you, you don't have unity for unity's sake. In our culture, we talk about unity a lot, but what we really mean is being kind and understanding. That's kind and understanding, but it's not unity. Yeah, Unity really comes in pursuit of a common goal. So there has to be something there that we are fixing. Our, I mean, I know I've come back to this before. I think it's Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Mm-hmm. In the same way that we as Christians run and pursue Jesus, he is our goal. Mm-hmm. And that is the way that we run our race together because he he saw it and he's going to see us through to complete it in the same way as a coach you have an opportunity to see to share a vision with the team to have them and then to help them complete and run after that vision and that's when unity can come to a team um, and setting that groundwork and showing them who they can be because a lot of them probably don't see it yeah and then equipping and empowering them yeah setting the vision engaging them in the vision and then equipping them with the tools that they need Mm -hmm. to be able to accomplish the vision and equipping them to to equip one another yeah and then empowering them to go and do it yeah empowering them to equip one another i think al golden mentor of mine randy randy chambers was the chaplain at temple uh when al golden was there with the football program and they had this philosophy they called pcp players coaching players and that was just like the lifeblood of their mm-hmm. of their um, philosophy of coaching is that they were gonna players were gonna be equipped to uh, coach other players. That if you knew the information, it was your job that the freshmen knew it. It was your job that the underclassmen knew it. It was your job that your backup mm-hmm. knew it. Um, and they did that because we learn best. One of the best ways we can learn is by teaching. Yeah. Well, Linz, I wanted to bring you into the conversation. Well, we're excited you're here. I know that you're probably a little tentative to jump in, but one of the ways that you were empowered and a phrase that has stuck with me, Lindsay played field hockey at Shippensburg University her freshman year and then transferred to Messiah College in outside of Mechanicsburg, PA, 
uh, is a Division three powerhouse. Seth also is a f- fine uh, alum alumnus. He's a Falcon. Is that right? Yeah. Of alum, alum alumnus. We'll get Zach, we'll get Cakes to look that up and we'll give you an update on what's the correct form right. in the next episode. But um, yeah, Seth also graduated from Messiah College, but Lindsay played field hockey at Messiah and they have been a national champion contender in the national championship game many times. But there was a phrase that you have used and we've actually used it in our marriage a lot we is... Have. Yeah, which is really awesome, and, which I'm so thankful well, some, for my experience there because I feel like the Lord's used. No, I'm being serious. Well, like, sometimes you know, it's awesome. Sometimes it's not. Oh, you, man. Usually, it's, a hard, it's a hard principle. Yeah, it's so hard. But usually when this phrase comes out, it's because there's conflict. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but go oh, ahead. Yeah. Share. Lindsay is a great addition. I'm Incredible. Oh, so, babe, go ahead. Go ahead and share with us a little bit of like how you dealt with each other as teammates, or especially... Yeah. With that phrase in light of, and you guys don't know the phrase yet, but you'll learn soon, uh, in light of unity. Yeah. So um, a lot of coaches do this. And I'm, if you're a coach that does this, bravo. Um, or brava. Brava, whatever. I don't, I'm not sure. But a lot of coaches do this. You know, they either pick a theme or a rally point for the season. For us, we were a Christian school, so we would pick a verse. We would brainstorm you know, a verse for the season. And that would be like our mission statement kind of. Um, and the seniors would pick it every year. But something else we did is we would pick core commitments, things that we were committed to as teammates that we were committed to doing individually and as a team, whether it was at practice or off the field, um, in the weight room, whatever. And one of the mantras or sayings was mean, no offense, take no offense. And like saying that, it's like, how do you do that? Especially like in today's culture, how do you take no offense? You know, like it's hard. It's so hard, but we. Yeah. Break that down for us a little bit. What, like when you say mean, no offense Mm -hmm. and take no offense, those are two, like one statement with kind of two different things. What are. Right. What are, what are you getting? Like, what were you guys getting at with those two things? So me, no offense, is do everything on our part, like kind of what we were referencing in scripture earlier, do everything on our part to live, live peaceably and to consider that our teammate greater than ourselves. So in, in our language, in our encouragement, everything, like our sideline was always, that's another caveat, but our sideline was always mm. like a very encouraging environment. It was awesome. Um but everything that we did, our goal was to consider our teammate over ourselves mm. and treat them the way we want to be treated. So even if we had a criticism, be prayed up going into that, yeah. how would I want to be treated or handled in the situation? So mm. me, no offense. Like even if it's something hard that you have to go to your teammate about, how do you handle it in the most loving Christ-like way possible? Mm, that's good. And I think it's a good, I mean, it's a good principle, like to your point earlier, um, to coaches even if you're not at a christian school implementing these principles shows your players christ you know like how you coach them through handling relationships on the field in unity i think is such a good picture of the kingdom of god um and urging them to live in unity even if they don't know christ yet like just pushing them to um yeah and then you can give a reason and give account to why you think the way you think so or why you're implementing these things so me no offense and then take no offense you know heat of the moment pressure cooker you know sport you get down to the wire our another thing i thought was awesome our coaches ex- 
didn't expect perfection in this. They were very real. You know, they weren't mad at us if we weren't perfect in me in, t- in being offensive to a teammate, you know, because it happens. So I could just give you an example. So I was a new, um, it was my first year at Messiah, I transferred in, and it was a whole new culture um, to me and, you know, learning curve, all that. And we were playing, we were doing this drill at practice and it was tough. And I was like feeling it. Like I remember just, I don't know the terminology you guys use now. I'm so out of touch, but I was just taxed. I was, I don't even know what you would say, but anyway, I was, I was gone. And this upperclassman who I really respect was a little frustrated with me. I'll say that. And she said something along the lines of Dale, you can give more, but it was in a very mean way. Like it was like, <laughs> it was, it was very like, I'm annoyed with you. Like, cause I was slowing her down in this drill. It was a recovery drill. It involved a lot of footwork. And I was like, it involved hard, like driving the ball really hard. It was like a series of things quickly. And I was holding her up because it was a small, it was like small group drill. And in that moment, I had the opportunity. Like, I remember being like, okay, I'm not going to take offense at that. Like, she's a great player. I need to, you know, trust her and know that she's expecting more of me. Like, the whole coaches, players, coaching Mm -hmm. players kind of thing. And I can honestly say that the Lord freed me up of, like, caring what she thought about me. Like, I just was like, you know what? I'm going to control what I can control. She's, you know a little frustrated with me. She's better than me. Like I remember going through all this stuff in my head and um, yeah, in that moment, I, I, that's just such a, I it was such an impactful moment for me, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, so the two concept of the concept of meaning no offense and then taking no offense yeah. and hashing that out. Um, mm, that's good. Is really, really true in life. And like you said, in marriage, like, I don't know. You and I got into a, into a little, a little tiff. A little tiff this morning. I'm not a morning person. I'm not. And I, but here's the thing. Like, well, can I say just before God and everybody? I woke up at five thirty this morning. So I'm thankful. I woke up at five thirty. So I'm anyway, thankful for you. Not. I'm thankful for you investing in in me and fighting through and getting up. You're welcome. I mean, but it was. I was. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. But I was definitely not the happiest person. And I'm really like, Seth, you inspire me because Monday mornings, you said you love Mondays, but I'm like, ah, you know. Um, but anyway, <laughs> sorry, I'm making random bird call noises. Monday here. Monday just means that you don't have as much backup with the kiddos. Yeah. So anyway. Because I come down here to work. But Lindsay, you were saying something about teammates um and your sideline yes. uh something that i was talking with seth about before the episode and you guys on the back end of this i'm gonna ask a question so please feel free to like jump in i'm i don't have a whole list in my mind i need your help um but you were talking about um sideline participation at messiah being through the roof and i was listening to to Kess do some teaching on practice and how to lead practices and and one of the things he talked about was coaching the sideline, like coaching those who are not playing. He said that their his goal when he was a head football coach and when he coaches head football coaches, again, his football is his world. He deals with a lot of other different sports and stuff, but this is in context of football, is they would take time out of practice to teach those not playing how to encourage. 
like he said, at the end of practice, I want, or at the end of a game and at the end of practice, everyone should be exhausted from either playing or encouraging the playing. Mm-hmm. Like Ephesians 4.29, living it out. Mm-hmm. Like n- not just not only saying the right thing, but saying the right thing so many times, trying to lift up and build up your brother. He's like, you can either be playing or you can be playing through the guy who's playing. You can either be playing or playing through the girl that's playing. One of the weirdest things about this whole COVID thing was early on watching sports happen in front of no fans. The energy in those places was dead. The product was worse. The level of competition, I'm doing something with my hands so you can't really see it. But like, I'll try to describe it. But it's like the lid of how high things could go is capped much lower when there is no enthusiasm, there's no one cheering, there's no one else around versus what it could be with cheering and excitement. So he was talking about playing through teammates. In thinking about that in our conversation today is, and if we're talking to coaches, what are the things, because again, as a leader, as a coach, we've said this as a, as a leader, is there's a couple of qualifiers. I took this from Pastor Jim Dorton here in Dover. If you are a leader, here's some ways to tell if you're a leader or not. Because um, position doesn't make you a leader. You have to, one, are you going somewhere? If you're not going anywhere, then you're not leading anyone. You're, <laughs> you're just going for an aimless walk with some friends. Uh, and two, if you look behind you and there's no one following you, you're not a leader. So you got to be going somewhere and people have to be following you. What are the things, this is our job as leaders and coaches, to help bring people through the pitfalls, and this is where I did a terrible job this morning, is helping you work through not being a morning person and just saying, this is the standard, this is the standard, this is the standard, and not lovingly in grace and meaning no offense, picking you up through it. But what are the things that divide us? What are the things that cause division? So I was thinking about Kess and his teaching about playing through one another. And what jumped out in my mind was, oh, playing time. Mm -hmm. Playing time is a huge divider. And what other things are you guys, what other things come to mind for you guys as we think through that? I mean, I thought of playing time. um, I thought of being a backup, not playing at all. Like being the last guy on the bench or being the last gal on the bench, you're not like there are a few things more embarrassing than at the end of a game being one of the only people with nothing, no grass stains on your on your shorts or on your jersey, having a clean uniform. Yeah. Do you guys any other things that jump out, jump out to you that we can point out that are, are common dividers that would that would fracture unity? I mean, I also think personality differences or differences of approach. Mm. We talk about strong will. If we are strong will to do things our way and we're wired differently. We had another scripture for today, 1 Corinthians 12, that yeah. um, we haven't dug into, but it talks about the different parts of the body. Yeah. And different parts of the body have different functions. And sometimes, like we've talked about marriage a couple of times today, my wife is very goal-oriented and I'm more about you know, how do we get there? And sometimes that can cause us to divide. But if we use that to work together, it helps fulfill, it helps us be more complete as a couple. Same thing as a team, you have people, I mean, you have people that are wired to do things a certain way, but then you have people that are wired to do things another way. And you need both because they um, help you have a more Mm -hmm. balanced approach to things. And so many times we allow our differences of approach or personality or theories or philosophies or ideas to 
to get in the way mm. and to work against each other rather than it's a tough balance you have to really be intentional about yeah. it but um like where scripture says the you know god made the toe to carry out the toe and the arm and the arm can't do what the toe does and the toe can't do what the arm does and and we need all of those things and we tend to um, mm-hmm. all the toes get together over here and do our own thing because yeah. we understand each other yeah. and all the arms get over here and do this thing because we understand each other when it takes more effort, but we need to work together mm-hmm. to that common goal. Yeah. I mean, just to piggyback off of that, I think as coaches, you can bring that to light, you know, and show how each person has strengths. Like I, mm. I mean, even just looking at my team from college or even like, the team I just coached this past fall. There's girls that are your, you know, your headstrong, hard worker. They want to win at all cost attitude. And then you have other girls who are, you know, having fun. And I don't like, we did a personality test in college. So we had like our otter group. They were the fun loving, you know, it could be like the Enneagram. You're thing. an otter. I was. But the temptation can be to what you said divide up into groups like i remember in mm-hmm. practice somebody would be like all oh, otters over here people that want to have fun and then hard workers are you know like the beavers over here so i think that there's that, that temptation that's silly i know but there's a temptation to separate but as coaches you have the ability to speak into them and speak into their strengths and their weaknesses and show them that they need each other you know like mm. this one girl julie hardest worker on the field but she needed somebody like dara yeah. to like in those moments of, you know, intensity where she was yeah. feeling angry to encourage her, yeah. you know? So you Amen. really need that balance of, um, on the field and in life, like think about that. If you're surrounded yeah. by beavers, all that I'm using the animal analogy. Cause that's what we did. Um, or like Enneagrams. I don't even know what the numbers are, but if you're surrounded by the yeah, same people, the same. you're going to, you're going to continue to struggle with the same things. You're going to, bond over how you you know your weaknesses like that's not what scripture says so anyway i just think there's such a beautiful balance that can happen yeah that's incredible then that's and that's the purpose of first corinthians 12 and romans 12 that both using that body body language no pun intended but (laughs) um maybe a little pun i didn't realize that but that was good but using the language of the body of we need like if i'm a foot i need the eye or i don't know where i'm going if I'm an eye, I need the foot. It's like we were joking around. Is like no one values the the pinky toe until you stub it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one values the appendix until it bursts on the operating table, which happened to me back in 2005 <laughs> or 2004. So the body is, is meant to work together in harmony. So amen yeah. to both those things. Yeah, amen. Well, good. So I hope... Each of us takes something away from today, if nothing else, a reminder, but especially, like I said, to to those of you that are in leadership of teams or places of influence, I mean, maybe you're just compete, but maybe you have, or maybe your kids compete, but even you have a team under you in your workplace or whatever, like all of these things are helpful and they represent Christ, but I mean, God designed us to work this way. So we do the way he says, they have practical benefits to them as well 
Yeah, so as a leader, just two quick takeaways. I promise they're quick. One is these things don't, unity does not happen without relationship. Mm -hmm. Unity does not happen without relationship. We can have a common vision. We can have a common mission. We can, as Philippians 1 says, one heart, one mind, fighting side by side for the faith of the gospel. But if there's not friendship and relationship there, that we're, that as the leader, we are, we are responsible to cultivate and till that soil and, and allow that to happen and to make that happen between places um, or between people on our teams. Uh, we won't succeed in fighting for unity. And then the final one is unity. Again, it's worth fighting for. And coach, it's worth praying for. It's worth praying for. Uh, and brothers and sisters in Christ, we live in a we live in a time where unity is not something that we are seeing around the globe. But we're not seeing it here in the U.S. It's something worth praying for daily. Mm-hmm. That we would will we contend for that for those we love. Will we contend for that for those in our communities uh, that we could have unity through the bond of peace in Christ Jesus, and that we could have unity uh, so that we could give God more glory through the way that we compete. Yeah. So pray and and create opportunities to build relationship. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd add one more thing to that, and that is when there's conflict, that's not an absence of unity. Like conflicts are opportunities for unity to be practiced. Conflict happens in any sort of relationship with others. It's a natural it's a natural part of life. So don't get discouraged if people disagree on something. But in those moments, that's when we need to be intentional about the mean no offense, take no offense or whatever principles we have that we've set as a team to follow through on them. Because they don't mean anything if the second something gets difficult or we don't like it, we abandon them. Um, so conflict is opportunity. So take advantage of those opportunities and you as a leader will be able to share something with those with the athletes and the coaches that are with you or under you. Um, so hope you took something away from today. Thank you, Lindsay, for joining us today. We hope to... Um, we hope we'll have to get you on more and appreciate your perspective so we will talk to you guys again next week deuces